Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sport show from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. In the program this week, the historic All Blacks match against Samoa in Apia. Professional golfer Danny Lee becomes the first New Zealander since Michael Campbell to win a PGA Tour event. The Black Sox fell agonisingly short at the Softball World Championships in Canada. Coach Mark Sorensen shares his thoughts on the team's efforts. The Pacific Games are underway in Papua New Guinea. Radio New Zealand's international sports reporter Vinnie Wiley tells us how the event has gone and we hear from New Zealand Warriors prop Charlie Gubb on his recent success at the top level of rugby league. The All Blacks limped away with a win against a bruising Manu Samoa side in Apia on Wednesday. The 25-16 result was closer than many expected on the hard and fast Apia Park pitch. First five Dan Carter kept the visitors in front with the boot, while debutant George Moala was the sole try scorer for the All Blacks. Charlie Natai, Nipo Laulala and Brad Webber all gained their first cap for the All Blacks as well. Speaking to media following the win, Dan Carter said the All Blacks expected a valiant effort from Samoa and they got it. It was actually just what we needed, I think, you know, for the first game of the, the season. You know, have a tough sort of physical game like that, and you know, we soon uh, realised there's a few areas that we need to work on. Um, you know, which we'll get straight into as soon as we get to Christchurch. I was going to say, how much improvement do you think you're going to need to come up against uh, the Pumas in what, nine days' time? <laughs> uh, yeah, fair bit. Um, you know, especially with just wanting to, to build pressure, which um, we probably didn't do tonight. You know, just as we were. Uh, you know, getting some, you know, some good gains or getting in behind them. You know, we just cough the ball up, and therefore we were not able to to build that pressure. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good learning curve for us, and obviously an area we'll need to work on. We've had a coach and some teammates telling us they think you're getting right back to your best game. Do you feel the same way? Um, I was reasonably happy with the you know, first. So sort of that game of the year, the year, you always want to be part of this first one, even though it can be a bit uh, rusty as it was out there tonight. Um, you know, kicking went well, and the body's feeling a little better than it has the last couple of years. So, running freely and getting plenty of game time, which uh, was a real positive. And you know, as long as I keep sort of moving in the right direction, every opportunity I get, then then I'll be happy. Ask for another crack in Christchurch next week. Yeah, that's, uh, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> Obviously back home, slightly different uh, conditions, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, that's what everyone's playing for. Obviously a huge year this year, and you know there's a lot of competition and, and a lot of positions. So every time you get the opportunity to, to put the black jersey on, you just got to make the most of it. And um, exactly, you know what I was, um, you know, working on tonight, just trying to fit in and sort of lead the team around and and just sort of make the most of you know, another chance at the black jersey. So it's good. Daniel, you talk about the. We've heard Jerome talk about the emotion of playing as a Samoan. Next game is probably going to be your last in Christchurch. Yeah. Uh, how are you going to handle that side of things? Your own emotional. Game yeah. Um, yeah. I guess there'll be a few 
you know, emotions. They're just like the Samoan boys um, that played today. You know, there was, uh, you know, just a great place for them to play in, in front of, you know, their friends and family. And you could just tell it, it meant so much to them. And, you know, they were uh, a lot more emotional than probably, you know, a lot of us. Um, so, you know, absolutely love playing in, in Christchurch every time I play there. Um, in the black jersey, it, it just means uh, just that little something special and, and the fact that it, um, you know, it's going to be my last game there in the, in the black jersey will uh, will mean a lot. So, um, you know, I'll just do whatever I can to, to be a part of that game. And, uh, you know, it's always fun playing in front of friends and family. Dan Carter. The All Blacks are now back in New Zealand preparing for the first rugby championship match against Argentina in Christchurch. But once again, the occasions raised questions about player eligibility under international rugby board rules, which say players who have played for one country have to stand down from international rugby for three years before they can play for another. It's a rule that frustrates top Pacifica players like All Blacks great Michael Jones, who says the IRB needs to relax the rule for the greater good of the game. Sharon Lundy reports. Michael Jones says the late Jerry Collins, who was killed with his partner in a car crash in France last month, is the perfect example of a player stymied by the rules. He had done his time with the All Blacks, but he could have potentially offered something to the Samoans. He was born there. Um, I think if, if it's about um, going back from Tier 1 to Tier 2, that's when it's probably more palatable and there should be some flexibility built into the system, so there's some mechanisms that allow for that. Jones says it's a problem not just for the Pacific, but for small European countries such as Georgia and Romania, whose players often represent countries such as France. He says the IRB should take a wider view to build the global game for the good of all. That is always their, you know, I suppose their raison d'etre and, and their philosophy and their mission statement is always about building a global game. Part of that is making sure that second-tier teams in particular can be more competitive for first-tier teams. It intensifies the aspirations and the dreams of the younger guys. I mean, if Jerry Collins was able to come back, just imagine what they would do for, for, for an aspiring young Samoan rugby player. It would be very powerful. Manu Samoa co-coach Alama Iremia says part of being Samoan is about giving and that many Samoan players want to give back to home countries which have helped their international careers. I certainly know a lot of the, the, the Samoan players that have gone on to, to represent the All Blacks and are doing very well overseas uh, in Europe and France. I mean, there, there are a lot of players that they obviously want to come back and give uh, their service to, to the islands and, and wanting to give back to a country that's helped them. It's a sentiment Samoan Prime Minister and Samoa Rugby Union Chairman Tuilipa Sailili Malialingoe shares. Yes, I'm afraid... Uh... The thinking on the issue of uh, eligibility is still parochial in the sense that uh, many unions are inward-looking, looking only at their own investments and self-interest. That was Sharon Lundy reporting from Apia. Looking ahead to future All Blacks test fixtures, the 2017 Lions Tour schedule has been announced, along with a three-test Welsh tour of New Zealand starting in June next year. New Zealand Rugby has announced a 10-match schedule for the 2017 Lions Tour, with two of the three tests to be played at Auckland's Eden Park and another in Wellington. While no All Blacks tests will be played in the South Island, Christchurch and Dunedin will host matches between the Crusaders and the Highlanders respectively. 
The Hurricanes, Chiefs and Blues also get a crack at the Lions, as too do the New Zealand Māori All Blacks and the provincial side in Whangarei. Stephen Hewson asked New Zealand Rugby Chief Executive Steve Chu what the Lions Tour means to the All Blacks and to the country. Perhaps other than a Rugby World Cup, this is the rugby event that uh, most people talk about, most people try and get to win, and, and you know, the number of us that were involved in 2015, uh, 2005, if we make it through to 2017, will be very privileged to have done too. So I, I think it's fantastic, um, the, the whole the uniqueness of bringing the, the home nations together is a challenge for them, and when they get it right, they're a very, very difficult opposition to beat. Looking at the next couple of years for your international fixtures, and given the way things went at Samoa, no Pacific nation fixtures there? No, because we're in a schedule of games, aren't we? That's the that's our reality, and that schedule's locked in at world rugby level to 2019. I mean, we fitted the game in Apia in this week with some risk. You know, we took an all-black team to play a very challenging test match in, in trying conditions, knowing that we might have had two teams in the Investor Super Rugby final. And Murphy, being the law that uh, he is or she is, turned up and did exactly that. So we, we actually, you know, we put a team out that... Uh, that couldn't choose 13 players that would certainly have been in, in, um, in contention for selection, so that was a risk. But if you, until you get to a World Cup year, there isn't a gap where it works. I mean, the only the only gap we have on the international calendar, and it depends on who you talk to, whether, whether it's a good gap or not, is the week before we go to play in the Northern Hemisphere. And you know, frankly, logistically, asking our guys to go to Apia for a game the first week of November and then be in Europe in winter, playing England or France. In those conditions, seven days later, having gone to Apia, back to Auckland and then up to Europe, is simply not doable and not fair on the athletes that we we, um, we work on behalf of. So we fitted in this year, uh, and it went well, and you know, f- frank- frankly it was fantastic. Um, we'll get back there at some point, but as I've said to a lot of media who have been putting the heat on since we haven't even finished the final whistle, I don't think, uh, we'll celebrate the moment of what, that, what was a great week, but when the next one is, I can't yet determine. But there's no reason why other countries can't now look at it, that opportunity either, because they've got the facility, they've clearly got the supporters, uh, and they've got a team that's pretty damn competitive. The pressure that you got once you're over there from locals, from Samoan officials, I mean, about coming back or playing more? Or? Oh, well, everybody made sure that we heard that we didn't want it to be the only time we came, and that's, that's fine, but... No, the reality is um, we haven't been to Tonga either, so you know, you can start asking us that question next. But you know, we're not the only country that plays test matches. Um, we've got a very strong bond, obviously, to um, the Oceania nations, and we do an awful lot of work um, largely behind the scenes ensuring that these things happen. I mean, you know, uh, we had a number of staff up there. We've got a person seconded uh, to the Samoan team to manage their media for the whole World Cup campaign. She was on deck for the last three or four weeks was actually quite important to us in getting things uh, set up uh, and, we, and we do an awful lot of stuff including putting a Maori all-black side up against Fiji this weekend so I, 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 I don't uh, lay awake at night worrying that we don't do our bit. Could we do more? Well, yeah, probably, but can you fit it in easily? No, not straightforward. Stephen Hewson there speaking with New Zealand Rugby Chief Executive Steve Chu. Moving from the All Blacks to Māori All Blacks, Colin Cooper has named his side to take on Fiji this weekend. Nine new caps have been added to the team, including two sets of brothers. Rico and Akira Yuani and Damien and Marty McKenzie are taking to the field against Fiji in Suva, while Tawera Kerbalo is also returning to international rugby after spending eight months on the sidelines with a leg injury. Fellow newcomer Oteddy Black spoke to media about his inclusion in the young side. It was exciting really, it was sort of, um, you know, it's always been a, it was a big goal of mine, uh, the Māori All Blacks, and to finally be a part of it, it, it's pretty cool, and 
you know, I'm a, I'm a Māori boy, I was brought up around the Māori culture, so um, yeah, it's pretty special, yeah. So when you, when you looked at the schedule, the start of the year, you saw the under-20s there in June, the, the, the Murray in July, there was always a, a, on your radar this, this side for the season? Yep, it was definitely, um, it was definitely my, my main goal um, heading into this year, but um, 20s was definitely one of the big ones, especially for the trophy not being home for a long time, so um, it was awesome to bring that back and um, just making the Māori All Blacks just top it off really, so yeah, it's been, it's been a good ride so far. You probably have to push out, um, uh, I think, uh, Ihai West, who was there last year? So he's um, he's no longer there, and yourself and Damien are running the cutter there at ten. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it's sort of been. Um, yeah, I know he hired pretty well, and I know he'll be he'll be pretty disappointed about it. But he'll definitely bounce back from it, and um, you know we we just got to make sure we do what's best for the team and nail our role. And um, yeah, it's awesome to have Damien here as well. We we played schools together and everything, so it's awesome that we're both um, sort of kicking on and doing pretty well. Uh, for, for next year, 2016, are you expecting to get a fair bit of time with the Canes, given Bodie's possible move to the Sevens? Is that sort of in, in the back of your mind when you resigned? Yeah, a little. Bit, yeah, it wasn't in the back of my mind, but um, now by the end of my contract, I'll only be 22, so um, I'm still a baby in the game. By the by, the end of that, and hopefully by then I'll be a bit more developed um, physically and and on the rugby field as well. Did you have any sort of um, tempting offers, I guess, from all the other franchises or, or any of them? Yeah, it was definitely pretty hard. I had a yeah, there was a few there, but um, I, I took my time. Um, I had a look, to, look into it, and I, I talked to a lot of people that I trusted, um, and they, they had their own opinions, and, but at the end of the day, it, it's up to me. Um, it's where I feel comfortable, and I think the Hurricanes is, is the best place for me at the moment. Have you, have you had much in the way of uh, sort of game plan tactics yet, uh, because you'll be running, running, obviously running things? Uh, not a lot, but no. we had a little bit this morning, but uh, we've got a training session this afternoon, and hopefully we can um, get our heads around that, and... We've got a bit of time off, so we, we can just make sure that we do our homework behind the scenes and make sure that we know what we're doing. I guess you've only got a week together as well, so it's, that's international rugby, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's just the way it is. You know, we're coming pretty late, but um, I mean, Māori rugby is pretty exciting. We like to throw the ball around, and Fijians are pretty similar as well, so it'll, be, it'll definitely be an exciting game. Uh, there'll be a lot of running and um, a lot of big hits and that sort of thing, so yeah, we're looking forward to it. Do you reckon uh, maybe the pack, your pack, might have the edge, might be the, the winning of the game? Yeah, well, definitely. Oh, it's like any other game. It's got to start up front, and uh, we've got an awesome pack there. We've got a few boys that come in off good Super Rugby campaign, so um, hopefully they can bring that form into this. Māori All Blacks first five, Oteri Black. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only podcast by Radio New Zealand Sport. In America, New Zealand professional golfer Danny Lee made history earlier this week when he claimed his maiden victory on the PGA Tour. Lee won the Greenbrier Classic in West Virginia after he was the last man standing in a four-way playoff where the leaders finished at 13-under. The 24-year-old became just the eighth New Zealand golfer to win on the PGA Tour. The last came in 2005 when Michael Campbell won the US Open. The win means Lee has qualified for the Open Championship in just a week's time, as well as the PGA Championship later this year and the Masters next year. Speaking to media following his victory, Lee says it's one of the biggest moments in his career. It feels pretty amazing. It's my first PGA Tour victory. I mean, it is a life-changing, but I'm just very excited to play in another major. I have another opportunity to go over there and try my best, but U.S. Open was a little bit tough for me. I got my ass kicked there. (laughs) Hopefully I'll do it a lot better. Lee is the second professional to qualify for the Open Championship along with Auckland professional Ryan Fox at St Andrews Old Course. He was asked what it means to play at the home of golf 
as well as the most recognisable course in the world, Augusta National, which he played as an amateur back in 2009. It's very lucky that they're playing at St Andrews and I always wanted to play there and I get to golf there so I cannot wait. I mean it's an ancient place for a golfer and I really wanted to go back there, which I am next year. I'm just very excited. That was New Zealand's number one male professional golfer, Danny Lee. It was a disappointing end for the New Zealand men's softball team at the World Championships in Saskatoon, Canada earlier this week. The Black Sox, who were the reigning world champions, lost the final to hosts Canada after leading 5-0 at the top of the third innings. The side looks set to collect their seventh world crown, only to allow Canada back in the game as they reduced New Zealand's lead to 5-4. New Zealand failed to score another run, but Canada seized control to run away with the title by 10 runs to 5. I spoke with coach Mark Sorensen to find out whether it was a case of just missed opportunities for the Black Sox or whether Canada were just too good on the day. No, they took control of the game ultimately. You know, they blasted us off the field. You know, the home runs, uh, Mullally hit two home runs and drove in six, six runs. You know, if we get two outs there, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, but you know, you can't look at it that way. That's that's just softball. You know, they created the opportunities. They put pressure on and, and they got key hits when, when it mattered most. Obviously, going into the game, you had uh, beaten Canada to make it to the final and you had uh, some quite nice wins in the lead-up to it as well. Uh, were you confident going into the game that you felt you could have got that seventh title? Oh, look, you know, we, we always go out with the belief that we're going to win. You know, um, the days of going out hoping to win are long gone. And, you know, we we were expecting to win. You know, we were planning to win. And, and you know, you've got to go in with a positive mindset. Uh, and that, that was reflected in the fact, you know, we scored early. Uh, we got a nice little lead and we were probably one hit away from getting deeper into the Canadian bullpen. Um, and that was certainly what we were trying to do was, was get through this data Cleary and we knew that McCulloch was going to come in and, and we're probably only one hit away from McCulloch coming out of the game so uh, that wasn't to be the case and he got stronger and they got uh, they got a bit of momentum and it was all she wrote. Was there a turning point for you you think in the game where where the obviously the uh, balance sort of shifted? I think it was possibly when we were 5 nothing up we had loaded bases and we a strikeout to end the inning. Um, where I felt, you know, one more hit there would would have been uh, at least one run, uh, and it would, as I said, would have gone deeper into their bullpen, and you know, them shutting us down there, and, and came out straight away and, and turned that momentum around. So um, I don't know; it's hard to put a finger on, but certainly looking at it, um, that may have been a quite a critical moment. And how do you keep the spirits high and pick the team up after after a loss like that? Oh, there's, there's only certain things you can say straight after the game. Um, you know, a lot around pride and, and keeping your head held high, and it's important for us as a as a group um, that you know the, one of the things that we're working on is is good people as well as good ball players. So, I mean, in terms of good people, is it's it's about showing a bit of class now. Um, you know, with the week that we had, um, you know, I, I've. I've challenged them all to keep their head high and their shoulders back because there's a lot to be proud of. Um, they don't need to be ashamed of uh, what happened today, but we need to learn from it and we need to be stronger and, and come out fighting next time. That was New Zealand Black Sox head coach Mark Sorensen.
New Zealand and Australia have been invited for the first time to the Pacific Games held in Papua New Guinea over the past week. The host country currently leads the medal tally with 50, 26 of those being gold. The Games, which are held every four years, have attracted attention for a number of reasons. New Zealand weightlifter Douglas Sacconi fraser is one of those. He was sent home by his team after he made reference to cannibals and Papua New Guinea on social media. Also making headlines was the Micronesian football team who conceded 114 goals in their three pool matches. I spoke with Radio New Zealand international reporter Vinnie Wiley, who's been in Port Moresby, to get his take on the Games and how New Zealand and Australia have fared at the event. New Zealand and Australia are just competing in four sports out of 28. Uh, taekwondo, sailing, weightlifting and uh, rugby sevens. Um, one of the slightly disappointing factors uh, amongst that is that New Zealand actually haven't sent any teams in rugby sevens. Uh, Fiji, of course, World Series champions. They've sent a, a reasonably strong team over here to win a gold medal. Um, you know, It would have been a reasonable competition to send perhaps a development squad, but they haven't sent anyone at all, which, um, speaking to some officials, uh, has, has raised a few eyebrows. Um, they've only ended in four sports. And, of course, um, you know, the other slightly uh, uh, dramatic thing, I guess, regarding New Zealand, of course, was Douglas Sikorni Fraser, the weightlifter, being sent home um, for the comments he made on social media uh, about cannibals uh, at the opening ceremony. And I, I think that was quite a strong start for New Zealand took in sending him home, and it sent a message. Uh, a lot of people here obviously agree that it was just a silly comment that he made, probably without thinking. But uh, there were, again, people disappointed with that. But, um, you know, it's, by taking a strong stance, it, it sends a message that that stuff is unacceptable. But by and large, New Zealand Australia, uh, people are happy to have them here. Australia's done very well in weightlifting. I think they've won six or seven gold medals to date. Um, so, yeah, people are enjoying having them the part of the Games. Overall, uh, how do you think the games have been? Uh, do you, being being on the ground there, do you think it's been a success? Um, generally, yes. Um, the venues have uh, generally been considered uh, top class. Um, there was a lot of uh, drama in the, I guess, the last twelve, twenty-four months about were these venues going to be ready in time? The place that was going to hold the netball uh, competition, the Rita Flynn Courts, isn't even being used for the games. Uh, the soccer finals are going to be played at Hubert Murray Stadium, which originally was meant to host, host uh, the entire football competition, but it wasn't quite ready in time. But even if they're not completely done, general consensus, and this is locals, this is officials, this is what uh, you know, just you know, all around, is that they actually are like of a very good quality. Um, the swimming pool that Papua New Guinea didn't have a proper size swimming pool up until, you know, a couple of months ago. So this is something that their athletes are going to be able to use, um, you know, in years to come. So, so yeah, the uh, the games, and, and aside from that, have, gener- have generally run pretty smoothly, bar the odd, you know, little hiccup, and uh, people seem happy to be here, and uh, there's some good results happening, and there's a, a good atmosphere, and people seem to be enjoying it. That was Vinnie Wiley speaking from Papua New Guinea. Finally, New Zealand Warriors front rower Charlie Gubb has been getting more game time in the National Rugby League this year after being in and out of the top grade for the past two seasons. Gubb signed with the Warriors back in 2013 and has made since nine appearances for the top grade team. Last season he made five appearances for the Warriors but spent the majority of his time playing in the New South Wales Cup while front rowers Sam Lissoni and Albert Vetti were filling the spots on the Warriors bench. However, this season, Gubb has made three appearances for the Warriors 
and has established himself as a real contender for the starting position, thanks to his big hits and high-intensity level on the field. I caught up with the 25-year-old Wellingtonian to find out what it's been like to get more game time with the Warriors this season. Uh, yeah, good. Um, I've only been playing like short stints, but it's, it's getting um, they're getting longer and longer, so I'm happy with like where I'm heading at the moment. And uh, I hear that uh, Cappy has been uh, sort of praising your, your work ethic a bit lately and uh, how you're playing. Does that give you a lot of confidence going into games, knowing that he is uh, liking what he's seeing? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, it gives me confidence. Like When you're low on confidence, it's hard to, hard to play while you've got too much stuff going on in your head. But you know, when, you're, when you're playing well, everything just seems to go smoothly and it's, it's good to have the coach's confidence. And what do you think it is about this year that uh, sort of you are sort of getting a bit more game time? Is it is it your work ethic, or do you think just sort of gelling with the team really well, or what is it? I think it's just just confidence. Like um, you know, I, was, I was, wasn't playing that very well last year, but um, and then I was I was playing NRL. I had I didn't have confidence going in, but I've been I was playing well in New South Wales Cup, like enough to give me confidence. And then so when I did get called up, like. You know, like I felt like, yeah, I've, I've earned it. Like rather than, I'm here because he sees potential, but I'm not playing well. Nice. And looking ahead to this weekend, you've got the Storm. Uh, what sort of a challenge do they uh, sort of put to you, I suppose, in particular? Uh, they're one of those teams that if you're if you're not on your game, they're going to punish you because they're so they're so consistent. Like they're the same team every week. That turns up. Um, you know, they got good forwards with Proctor Harris. Bromwich, one of the best props in the comp, so got to shut them down. But um, yeah, we just got to be ready for an arm wrestle. That's, that's what they're known for, and a lot of teams have adapted to play like the Storm. So I guess they're still the benchmark of the arm wrestle. And like, obviously, uh, you've you've had quite, like the Warriors historically have had quite a few good wins over the Storm. Do you have like quite a bit of confidence as a team going into this game, knowing that you have come over them a number of times in the past? Uh, I think it's we got confidence from the, our last two wins, knowing that um, you know if we complete, like we got, the, we can always score points. It's just defending our try line, so the focus has been on defence. But uh, me personally, like I don't get confidence out of knowing like the history of results because I guess it, anyone can win on any day, so you just got to be there. That was Warriors prop Charlie Gubb. And that's our show for this week. Feedback is welcome via Twitter and our email, sport at radionewzealand.co.nz. We'll be back next week with Extra Time. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.